Welcome to Wisdom 828, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan. Who are you? Who are so wise? For the next three episodes, I decided to introduce you to some English Puritan pastors. In the weeks ahead, we'll look at uh, John Bunyan, who is the author of Pilgrim's Progress, and John Flavel, uh, both born in the 17th century, and John Newton, uh, not technically a Puritan, but he did have some theological roots in the works of the Puritans. Now, the Puritans had a saying that is still true today, fear sin more than Satan. And what they meant was that Satan, while he is a great adversary, he can't kill you. However, sin can, and especially if we don't fight against it. So Paul wrote to the Romans, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if, by, for if you live by the dictates of it, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, you will live. So the shorthand version of this particular verse is kill sin or it's gonna be killing you. And it has been said that the reason that people, even Christians, don't take the holiness of God seriously is that they don't take sin seriously. So for the next few minutes, I want us to take sin seriously. Ralph Venning, uh, also a Puritan pastor of the 1600s, preached a series of sermons on the topic of sin. His work is contained in a book published by the Banner of Truth Trust called The Sinfulness of Sin. Now the place to start is that sin, all sin, no matter how great or how small, is against God. It's contrary to the nature of God's holiness. It's also an attempt to dethrone God from his sovereign place in the universe because when we sin, we're basically saying, God, you don't really know uh, what I need or, or uh, what's gonna bring me pleasure or happiness. Now, you've got it all wrong about me, so I'm going to go ahead with this plan of mine and uh, you, know, you just fill in the blank about those things that you want that God prohibits. So it's in this way that our sin denies that God is all sufficient and we can't be content with whatever he provides. As Venning says, sin is an anti-will to God's will. Now second, sin aligns us with Satan. The Apostle John calls sin a work of the devil and he wrote, whoever makes a practice of sinning, uh, of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning and the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That doesn't mean that we don't bear the guilt of our sin, nor does it mean that Satan makes us sin. What it does mean is that if we practice sinning and we don't try to kill it, we are showing our allegiance to Christ's adversary and ours. Christ, John says, came to destroy the works of the devil, but our sin aligns us with the devil. The devil does nothing but sin, that's his business and those who follow in his steps, they're just like him. Now, third, Venning says that sin is um, universally infectious. There is no place where sin cannot be found. There's no nation, no group of people where sin isn't known. It's in your hometown, it's in your state, it's in your nation. In fact, it's in your home. It's everywhere without exception. And the only place where sin is not to be found is in heaven itself. Sin operates like a disease that spreads to others and it even infects them. Now, originally it went from one man, Adam, and it spread to all men. 
and it will continue to spread to all men and women, boys and girls, until Jesus returns. The bad examples of others do promote the sin that is within us. Um, if not for the cross of Christ and the Spirit of God, sin would be nearly incurable. But here's the thing about sin that makes it more deadly than Satan itself. Satan, uh, sin always disguises itself. If sin were an ugly mask, no one would want to put it on. But sin and evil put on a very pleasant looking mask to disguise the deadly infection within. Venning writes with great clarity on this aspect of sin. Truth is not ashamed of its name or its transparency. It can walk openly and boldly. Sin, on the other hand, is a cheat, a lie, and therefore it lurks privately and it puts on false names and colors. For if it were to appear just like itself, it would frighten men into dying fits. Men would never be so hardy in sinning, but that sin hardens them by deceiving them. And so the apostle says, take heed, lest any be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin uses everything it can to make itself look attractive. It tricks us into taking the bait without seeing the hook. But wisdom teaches us that Satan may dangle that bait, but the hook of deception is already at work in our own heart. Sin might try to persuade us that it's not really sin, it just looks like it, or, or um, what might be sin in another person is really freedom for us, or, uh, you know, it's only one sin, and, and then you can repent later, or uh, you may, you may uh, not even need to repent because the sin is so small. The worst lie says, nobody will ever see this. Well, Venning doesn't leave us without a remedy. He offers several, but I want to pick four of them because I'm familiar with them in my own uh, fight against sin. First of all, always, always repent of your sin, no matter how small. When we sin, John tells us that if we confess our sin, God is faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sin. He's faithful because he made the provision through Christ's cross and that's the place of his justice for forgiving us. He's not sweeping our sin under some cosmic uh, carpet. He has a just cause to forgive. But repentance is more than feeling sorry or asking for forgiveness. Repentance includes a vehement turning away from that sin and to God in humility and trust. Repentance means hating the sin. As Venning says, with full indignation against it and taking full revenge on it as true repentance. Let sin grieve you that God is displeased with you for your sin and bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. Now, that's a change in the direction of your life. And next, preach the gospel to yourself. Don't wallow or despair over your sin. If you're disappointed in yourselves, good. If you wonder to yourself, how could I do such a thing? I, I thought I was better than that. Don't even bother deceiving yourself because you're not. What Robert Murray McShane said of himself is true of all of us. The seed of every sin known to man is in my heart. But it's the grace of God that keeps us from all of them and, and all of the intensity of them. And he provides us with the gift of repentance when we sin. So preach the gospel to yourself. Do like Paul when he was anguished over his inability to do 
the good thing and his um, ability to do the right thing, he, he couldn't do that. He called himself a wretched man and then he remembered, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And by the power of the work of the Spirit, he went to work killing his sin through repentance and forgiveness, a new watchfulness over his own heart, a strategy to turn away from the allurements of sin to the beauties of Christ. And then finally, do what David did. David wrote this, I have stored your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. That's Psalm 119, verse 11. Memorize God's word for every battle that you might face. Sin always starts in the heart. Hiding the word in your heart is like going to war with the seeds of sin there. The word, it's there like a sword to ambush the rebellious thoughts, to cut off the sweet lies. There's nothing like the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God to fight against sin and then kill it. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for joining me. And thanks to Steve Dion, the master of cornerstone technology world, uh, who, uh, who helps to make every episode a way to stamp out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. You be of good cheer. <laughs>